Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. Whether you are in Gospel Saving Church today or you're listening to me online, welcome. Uh, for you, by, by you doing so, this makes God happy. Anytime we take time out of our personal day and we do something for God, whether it be go to church, listen to a sermon online, read our Bibles, take time to pray, God is soaking it up. For the, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout all the earth looking for those whose hearts are strong toward Him. If this is your first time listening to me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed and I come to you from McKinney, Texas and this is Gospel Saving Church and our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. We always start with a word of prayer, so if you guys would please join me. And we ask the Lord to bless the service and help us to understand His Word, because we cannot understand God's Word without God helping us understand His Word. There's no man that understands God, no man that sees God. So let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much, Lord God, that we know that Your Word says wherever two or more are gathered in Your name, Lord God, You are here. So Lord, we just thank You. Lord, we welcome You into our presence, Lord God, today. For we know that you're always with us individually, but, but Lord, you, sold, you, you told us that specifically, and we know that there's a specific, special way. Uh, we don't even understand it, Lord, the way you come in amongst us different than when you're just with us every day. And uh, Lord, we thank you and we welcome you. We pray, dear God, that our presence here, that our attention here, that us being here and seeking you, every one of us, Lord God, would please you. Lord God, it wouldn't just be that we're just here just because, just to to fulfill another Sunday, Lord. Lord, we pray that this would just be our special time of seeking you in the week and that we would even carry this on and even seek you throughout the week, Lord God. That we wouldn't just be, as I joked just a little earlier, Lord God, just just one time, you know, uh, of the week, Lord, that we honor you and worship you, Lord. I pray everybody that's listening would worship you every day of the week. Lord, we just ask you to help us understand this message. Help us understand the hours and hours and hours of of information that you've poured into me, Lord, to to create this roughly about an hour sermon, Lord God. And we thank you and we love you. We pray you'd be glorified and the truth would be spoken always from my mouth and Gospel Saving Church in this place. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So you can turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10 today, but I won't read them and teach them until after last week's message, my overview of the message called The Church. Last week I talked to you about the church. Not just a gathered friends in a, some kind of place of business, but the organized, structured church with rules, with leadership, with church, even that they met in a building, we read in Acts three, in Acts chapter two, where we met, where we read how they they went to the temple, and that they were meeting in people's houses, as with the apostles' teaching and and prayer and and all these things that they so they showed us an organized, real Christian church by the early Christians that practiced church in this way, and these weren't just early Christians, mind you, these were the first Christians ever. Jesus' original apostles, along with those who decided to follow Christ through their preaching, the repentant Jews on the day of Pentecost. And then I gave you some pretty strong evidence from the structured, or for the structured and organized type of church from the New Testament, Paul's letters to Timothy, mostly. Paul described the positions of deacon and bishop, which just means pastor of our nowadays. And where do these types of people get these types of titles and positions? Well, in a church, in an organized church, just like we see today. And I stress the fact that God wants people in a church. Because 
there would be no Christian church at all without people going to the church. And of course, God created the church himself. So does God approve of the church from the evidence of Scripture showed us from all we talked about last week? Absolutely. Which makes anyone, anywhere that believes himself to be Christian, that that disagrees 100% wrong in God's eyes and against his word. And the Bible says that you can't be a follower of Christ, yet be against God's word. So I hope if any one of you listened to to last week's message and, and you weren't, in some kind of organized church, one where God is, that you took time and you prayed and you sought the Lord's face to see where he wanted you to go. And then because of you doing this, you actually took some steps to actually get into some type of church that was in your local area. For it is my prayer for all of God's children that if you're not in a church home, that you would seek God and find a place where he is truly honored because that is one of his wills for you. Would you like to know, well, I mean, whether you do or not, I'm going to tell you how God got me into church because that was an actual, like, just a small testimony. I was an atheist a long time ago, and God saved me about 17 years ago, and I first thought, well, I love God. I, I preached his word. I was reading the Bible every day. I was a truly regenerate, totally different person. God saved me, but I did not think church was for all Christians. Christians didn't have to go to church. I just thought, well, I love God and I serve God and, you know, God's revealed himself to me and and I'm okay and I'm good. Well, I was preaching one time at my place of business. I was a car dealer at the time and I was preaching at this business, at this place of business to a backslidden Baptist guy who, you know, he lived his life in in sin and he didn't really care. And I was preaching to him. I was telling him about Jesus and what God had done in my life. And he said, he finally broke down one day and he says, Ed, Ed, quiet. Where do you go to church? I just want to know where do you go to church? And I said, well, I don't go to church. I don't believe that Christians have to go to church. And, well, you know, the funny thing about God is, is that he could speak to you even through somebody's mouth, just like he spoke to Balaam through the donkey. That isn't even really right with him. And he spoke this term to me, and it made me go home, and it made me think about it, and I prayed about it, and he said this. He said, if you lay down with the hogs, you wake up smelling like one. And I went home and I prayed and I thought the Lord's face and I was like, Lord, what does he mean? God revealed it to me. This is what God shared with me. My son, Ed, when you go to church, you get around God's people. You get around God's teachings, my teachings. And there you're refreshed and you get renewed and you get the teachings in you, my teachings in you. And you get out of the world because then when you go back, you're going to just be right in the world again. And then in the world, it's all filth. And it's all garbage and it's all pollution, sin pollution. And you need to be amongst believers to be renewed. Because if you continue to lay with the hogs, you will eventually, eventually fall away from me. Eventually you'll lay down with them. And so I don't want that for you. So that's what God used to get me in church. And I had had some bad, a bad experience in my family's religious place of worship. And they only really wanted my money. And uh, I thought that all churches were like that. And so anyway, God showed me my error. I repented. I started praying, hey, God, where do you want me to go? Uh, And guess what? God got me into an amazing church that was one of his. Um, there's, There's not a lot out there, but he does still have churches that do glorify and honor his name and teach 
his word. And he got me into an awesome church where I grew. It wasn't perfect, but I grew in the Lord. It was solely biblical, solo scripture. And I learned from the Lord and I learned through that pastor's mouth. And it was awesome and it was amazing. And, and here I am today, praise God. I'm, I'm actually a pastor myself that's now teaching uh, my, my congregation all over the world and in my home uh, the, the true things of God. So, you know, come on, Christians. If you're not in a church, pray. And if you say, Pastor Ed, but there's no good churches out there. Well, hey, I'll agree, there's not many. But if you're seeking God's face, God can show you where to go. They're out there, just like he did me, because there weren't many back then, 17 years ago either. But he led me to an earnest place where they love God with all their hearts. And then I learned, and then I learned how to be a real Christian through that church and everything, and how to really follow God, being a part of a body, not just being a lone wolf. And that's what God wants for every Christian yesterday, if you're not already in a regular church today. All right, I know our new section of our new sermon. The title of our message today is The Lame Lazy Man. The Lame Lazy Man. We're going to read Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and then I'm going to teach them. If you're not there, you can listen along. If you'd like to read along with me, I'm going to begin now. Acts 3, 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So we have a new chapter today and a new scene. Last week we finished Peter's sermon. We broke it down into four different weeks. Peter probably taught it, as I told you last week, in maybe under a half hour. Yet I took four full hour sermons to talk about it because there was just so much information in it. But we have a new uh, sermon today, The Lame Lazy Man. We're going to look at this uh, lame man that Peter and John look at and that they meet here going to the temple. Today we see an example of Acts 2. 43, where it says, because all these Christians were unified. Remember, they, in, we learned last week that in the church they were all unified. And it says this, Acts 2, 43. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. For all of today's verses detail out a super powerful wonder and miracle done through a couple of God's chosen men. The scene begins in verse 1. We read this. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So, two of the original apostles, Peter and John, were going to the temple. But remember, I just kind of told us in the we the church, that was where they were having church service. So really, they were going up to the church so that they could really go pray. They could really spend some time and pray at the ninth hour is what that verse just said. The ninth hour is about 3 p.m. This was one of the fixed hours of prayer for the Jewish people, and they practiced this as part of their worship to God Almighty under the Old Covenant, and they did this on a daily basis. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, we see the Jews had to 
three set times of prayer each day. They had uh, the first time, which was the third hour of the day, which was about 9 a.m., the sixth hour of the day, which was about noon, and evening, which is what was here, the evening hour prayer, the ninth hour, or about 3 p.m. Why did these dedicated Christian worshipers of God of the, of the New Testament now, of the New Covenant, why did they worship God under the Old Covenant in this way? Well, even though they were Christians at this point, followers of Christ here, they were also Jewish by heritage. And Jews as a whole had a very powerful religious upbringing in their traditions and heritage in Judaism. This is just what Jews do. Um, Did the apostles keep all of the Old Covenant traditions and the Old Testament traditions and religious laws and rules as Christians now? Well, no, they didn't. They actually stopped some of them, and they kept some, uh, and they kept the ones, of course, that lined up with the new covenant under the, under Jesus Christ. And of course, prayer is and was was and is definitely one of those practices that always lines up with whatever covenant God's got going on in this world. I mean, we, we're living in the final one now, but prayer was important under the old covenant. Prayer is important under the new covenant. So these new church leaders are leading by example keeping the evening time of Jewish prayer at the temple, being obedient to God to pray, because this was a, a daily tradition, even as today, prayer should be a daily part of every true Christian's walk with God. For it is our communication with God. The number one way we hear God is not through some mystical way, but it's through His Word. And He'll speak to us through His Word. That's the number one way we hear God. And the number one way we talk to God is through prayer, through a literal getting on our knees or laying on our bed or whatever we do and we're talking to God in a verbal way. God, you know, I love you. Please lead me today. So these guys today, we're doing this in this day as a daily tradition as part of the, even the old covenant, but it was obviously showing us it was important in the new covenant. Sure wish we had daily meetings for prayer today in the church, don't you? I mean, I just, we, I pray on my own, but I sure wish that we each got together. I wish the church would have that same thing. Maybe I'll see that again before I die. Anyway, look at what happens to them as they reach the entrance to the temple. Look at verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So Peter and John walk up, and they see this lame man. And that means he couldn't walk from birth. As we know, he couldn't walk. He was carried there, right? whom I'm sure they had seen there before at the gate beautiful, which is, if you, in case you're wondering, that is one of the gates to the temple. The, gate had, the temple had many gates around it because the Bible just told us that he had been laid there daily. And this wasn't just for now. This is probably years as he was lame from his mother's womb. And this lame man is sitting on the ground and calling out something like alms, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Basically, he's begging for money. Why is this handicapped man doing this? He's doing it for two reasons at least. Number one, his family didn't want to support him 100%. So they brought him to the place of the temple so that he could be able to make some type of an income. Number two, he actually didn't want to get a real job and go out and work for himself. And he wanted to mooch off of others because... I contest, and as you'll see, there's going to be a little section here, he could have actually gotten up and gotten a job because there were even back then jobs that lame people that couldn't walk could do. They could make tapestries. They could make pottery. And you don't need to walk to do those things. Those are jobs that you could have done that he could have done. But no, he and his family knew 
that religious people are usually suckers for donating and giving money to the needy, whether homeless or handicapped, and they were really a pretty smart bunch. So this lame, and I will now add lazy man, hence the title, made his living by making those whom were religious and spiritual and seeking God, maybe, feel bad about his situation, feel bad about him. And, and what better time and place to ask for money than at the spiritual hour of prayer at the temple, right at their church? Think of this lame and lazy man's game here. A religious person is feeling very close to God and very spiritual as they are about to go into the temple of God to pray. And they're going to pray and they're going to what? They're going to feel even closer to God when they're in prayer. And as they're walking, they're feeling very pious, right? And as they're there, here they come upon the scene, this poor, crippled, lame man laying there crying out for donations, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, right? You're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't help him. Really, this is what God showed me in this. If you help him, you'll know that you'll see him tomorrow, and he's going to remember you, so he'll look for you tomorrow because you donated him. You donated him, you know, to him today. Then you're stuck giving to him daily money. If you don't help him, then some of those other religious critics will see it, and they're going to sneer at you and think bad of your religion. And, and you know this because guess what? You've thought the same thing of them when they were walking in and they didn't give them money, right? Because that's just kind of how it works. So as I said before, you're darned if you do, you're darned if you don't. Well, anyway, we know that obviously this game worked well for this lame, lazy man. Because why? Because Bible tells us that he was laid there daily. And I can tell you, that from a business perspective, because this is what this man was into, if the scam or the business deal doesn't work, then you stop. You just do something else. His family would have found something more lucrative for him to do to, in order for make money. And unfortunately, this game still works today with these types of people because these types of handicapped and homeless people still do stuff like this, but not just around religious places, but everywhere. Train stations, bus stops, convenience stores, especially in big cities. Years ago, I went out with many, 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 many people to share the gospel in the streets of Dallas. And as we'd go up to the convenience stores and the train stations, there were always these, not necessarily lame and crippled in a wheelchair, but those that were supposedly down and out and sitting there and, oh, sir, do you have any money? Oh, I haven't eaten. Oh, would you, would you have any money to spare? And, and of course, they still do it to this way, the same way today. Anyway, getting back. So this lame, lazy man is sitting there playing on people's soft, religious, spiritual sides, where I'm going to call it, calling out something like, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, looking sad, looking pathetic, and, and look what happens next. Who, verse 3, who the lame, handicapped man, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So, this is what I see. Business was a little slow for the majority. And he decided, to, he decided to start looking into people's faces to see if he could make eye contact. And eventually he does. He finds Peter and he finds John. And now that he's got their attention, what does he do? Please, sir, please, can I have some money? I really need money. I'm very poor. I, I can't work. This fellow reminds me of the people that stand on the side of the off-ramps of our highways around here today because they do the same exact thing. When you see them, if you do not intend to give them anything, then whatever you do, do never, ever, ever make eye contact. Ever. 
Because if you do, it's almost like they have you, right? And you just, oh, now they've seen me. Oh, now I feel obligated. And then you try to look away, but it's too late. You feel like, yeah, oh, it's such a hard thing. But just, just an aside, because I, I just have to explain myself now, because now you probably can tell that I don't have a really good opinion and stance on giving people like this lame, lazy man here in Scripture money, right? And I will tell you that you're correct. I will tell you that what you've heard is, is exactly, you've, you've guessed right. And oh, sh- shocking. A oh, pastor? You, a pastor of a church? Say this kind of thing and, and think this kind of thing? Especially in the church, right? Well, yeah, it's pretty shocking. But if you think of me bad for thinking this way and saying these things, then you do. But it is how I think. And it is for good reason. And I need to explain. You see, I've dealt with people like this a lot in the past. I've dealt with people like this in the streets of Dallas and in other states where we lived, even around my home of McKinney, Texas, and I've come to have a different opinion about them and their ways because they've taken advantage of me a whole lot, and, and I'm not just blaming them, okay, because I've let them. Okay, it's my fault, too. I've, I've gone ahead and let them take advantage of me, but, but I don't anymore. You see, I love to help people. But this is what God has shown me as far as people like this lame and lazy man in Scripture goes. If you help them with money and stuff and whatever they say that they want and they say that they're in need of, those whom solicit you for it, like this lame and lazy man did to Peter and John here, then you enable them and you encourage them to keep on living the lifestyle that they're living right now. And you enable them to stay comfortable in that lifestyle that they're in. And and believe it or not, this may shock you, but it is an ungodly lifestyle. This is not a godly lifestyle, living in this situation, bumming off of people, living off of other people's money as 99, probably in a half, a percent of the types of these people can actually get up. They can get out of their situations. They can clean up themselves and they can get a job and they can provide for themselves. They can. I've met them and they can. Most of all, as a kicker, have family members that they could go to for help. Sons and daughters and brothers and sisters, right? But if you get to know them, as I have, they can't go to their family members for help. Well, well, you say, well, why? Well, see, they're past red. We need to help them. No, 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 no. They'll tell you they can't go back to their family members because they don't get along. Well, and then as you probe deeper, because I have, I'm a skeptic at heart, you find out why they can't actually go back to their family members. And why can't you? Or why can't they? Because you come to find out that usually their loved ones the, uh, they, they're abusing and they've used their loved ones the same way they're trying to use you. They've gone to live with those loved ones in the past and they've tried to not work and lay around the house and mooching money and etc. And, and their family members, or you see their family members, they get tired of it and, and they stop. They, they, they say, hey, they get angry and they said, hey, if you don't get your act together, if you don't make some money, if you don't start putting in some bills, I mean, I know you're down and out, but I'm here trying to help you. But if you don't do anything but lay around the house and take advantage of me, then you got to get out. Well, then that lame and lazy and poor man wants you to feel sorry for him. Then what do they do? They don't do anything. And so they get mad. And when they get mad, they leave because they can't mooch anymore. And then they go into society and then they mooch off of people in society because their family members wouldn't let them do it. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, wait, it's too late. So a philosophy 
that I received years ago has become helpful to me, and I hope it will become helpful to you. Because don't don't turn me off, please. If you're listening online, this is a very sore subject with me, and I'm sorry that it's offensive to you, but it's it's it is the truth. But I want you to think about this saying. I was having a meeting with a Christian lady. We were going to do some ministry together. And it never actually worked out. But no matter who you meet, you can always take something away from them. Whether they're lost, whether they're saved, they may say something. God may speak through them in a certain way. And this is what this lady said. She gave me this perfect, perfect way to look at this. She says, you know, I love people and I want to help people too. But certain people only want to hand out. I'm only here and interested to help the people that are looking for a helping hand up. So there's handouts, and those handouts go to people that they don't want to improve their situation. They want you to enable them and make them comfortable in living on the streets and in feeling sorry for them. But then there's the helping hand up. The woman that's lost her husband, the husband that's lost her wife, and now they've got three small kids, and, and they've, got, you know, they've got a job, and they're really struggling, and they need that food bank, but they're trying to do good. They're working. They're doing good. They need help. Not a perfect, able-bodied person that just doesn't want to work because you're enabling him to do that. This lame and lazy man, as well as many that I've met in the years since I've come to be a Christian, just wanted to live off of others when he and others I've met could have just as well have rejected this ungodly lifestyle and decided they were going to go to work and not mooch off of others. And as far as this lame and lazy man is concerned, uh, there were jobs, as I said before, that he could have done that he could have sat in a chair or worked in his wheelchair instead of just freeloading off of others and taking advantage of others just because he did not want to work. So I believe in helping people, but not much help unless I can verify that they want a helping hand up and not just a hand out. Maybe, if your opinion of me is still bad, uh, maybe it's not me that's wrong in my way of thinking here. Maybe it's you that's wrong in your way of thinking here. Maybe I'm not the one that's deceived. Maybe the people of America, the, the Americans who, don't, who just give money and stuff into these seemingly needing people, and, and that they'd actually stop being, if you stop giving them money and you stop giving them help, maybe that would motivate them to stop getting stuck on stupid. Maybe that would motivate them to get a job and work for a living, even in, in spite of their, you know, their disabilities because nobody will enable them to be lame and lazy. I know working's hard. I know working's hard. Trust me. I have three jobs. I drive school bus. I work for a local hardware store and I'm a pastor of a small church and I take care of my, actually I got about five jobs and I know it's hard, but God's desire for people is to work and be productive and not be lame and lazy. If you don't have to, Listen to what God's word says on this subject, right? Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul says, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So why, why do we not apply this to today? If a man will not work, then he will not eat, right? 1 Timothy 5, 5, Paul to Timothy, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, I know the scripture talks about helping the poor, but the disciples were not talking about helping the poor like we help the poor here in America today. Because if they did, then they would have gone from their worship of the temple to pray, and they would have gone back, and they would have gotten some finances, and they would have helped this man out. Yet, they didn't, right? Uh, 
Anyway, move on, getting back to the sermon. I, sorry, that was an aside. Look at what Peter and John give this handicapped man who is worse than an unbeliever, not just serving to eat because he won't work, even though he can. Look at verses 4 and 5. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his full attention, expecting to receive something from them. He, he sure wasn't disabled enough to really give them his attention, was he? He sure had that, uh, uh, you know, that attention span. Oh, wow, wow. You're going to give me some money, right? And now the big one, verse 6. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I, have, what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter exclaimed that they didn't have any money, and I would say on them. I wouldn't say Peter and John had zero money, and if they did have zero money, they would actually out there be begging, just like this man here, because they would have needed to eat too. But they had some money. We know that Acts 2, 44 and 45 tells us that all the Christians had all things in common at the time. And they, they bought and sold, and they sold their possessions if anyone was in need. So they weren't in need, like they didn't have any money at all. They, they just didn't have any money on them, right? They didn't have any money on their persons. They had money in the group of people where they were, but why would you need to take money to go pray to God? I mean, I don't think God cares about your money when you're going to pray, whether you're you know, a millionaire or whether you have $5 to your name. God doesn't really care. He just wants you to come and pray and talk to him, right? Um, but they were surely, they were surely, as an aside, they surely weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, that's for sure. Uh, as an aside, you know, because I, I, I like to uh, point out different things in, in my services that problems we have in our society and, and with the church. Uh, as an aside here, if the so-called health and wealth movement teaching was really true and God really desired and then made every Christian always wealthy, then think about it here. There's no possible way that the disciples would have had not had any money on them. They would have had lots of money on them wherever they went, no matter where they went. They would have definitely never had, were, were not, you know, they would have never, never had pockets that were flat, okay? Uh, back to the sermon. P- Peter says to this lame, lazy man, we have no monetary goods with us to give you right now, but what we do have, we give you. And what was it? What did he have? What, was, what did he have to give him? We have a supernatural miracle for you today. Get up and walk. Which is ironically, if you think about it, you know, we, we know in the Bible Jesus says that God gives good gifts to his children, right? And, he, and we know that God gives good gifts even to those that aren't his children. For Jesus tells us God sends the rain on the good and the evil. So here, ironically, what this man really needed anyway, he didn't need a hand out. He really literally needed a helping hand up. He needed, he needed a supernatural helping hand up. And I promise you, while you're thinking, man, that was slick of you, Pastor. You talked about that late. I did not plan that out. I promise you, God just put that in the sermon. I, I gave that story way before I got to here where I saw, hey, he really did need a helping hand up, like a literal helping hand up. Anyway, then Peter gives him a literal helping hand up, a supernatural helping hand up. Look at verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. The result? Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Notice that Peter doesn't just tell the lazy lame man to get up and walk. Notice he just doesn't say the words. What does he do? He says the words and then by faith 
he grabs him by the right hand. I don't exactly know what the right hand means here. I don't know if the right hand has a significance. I'm not thinking outside of Scripture. Too many people do that. Maybe it's the right hand of God or something. I, I, I'm not going to think outside of Scripture here, but he, I know it's got to be something. When we get to heaven, we'll ask God one day. But he reached out with the right hand, and he grabs him by the right hand, and he lifts him up, and, he, and by faith, all by his faith, by the way, and, and the man's feet and ankle bones received strength. Restored as a normal person's of his age that's never been lame ever. This is so powerful. Peter is so full of faith here. It's incredible. And really, he had to have faith for both of them. He really did. I'm going to explain to you why. You see, the lame and lazy man didn't come to the temple of God looking for a miracle. He wanted cash. Nor did he expect a miracle. So he really, if you're not expecting a miracle, you're not going to have faith for a miracle. When you're having faith, you're kind of hoping, oh, come on, God, let this be the day. Let this be the day that it happened. No, he didn't have faith for one because he wasn't expecting it to happen. Plus, if you look, Peter gave gave him no opportunity to have faith because he did this miracle so quickly, right? And seriously, the lame, lazy man, simply, he just wanted a hand out. But boy, boy, he didn't get just get a hand out. He got a literal miracle helping hand up, didn't he? In fact, as I think about it, as I believe God has shown me, he probably didn't even want a miracle. He was so happy and people were providing for him and he didn't have to get up and go grudging every day at work. He was probably very comfortable letting others take care of him as they were doing such a good job of enabling him to live this ungodly lifestyle, begging at this gate of beautiful for years. But again, did he get a miracle or what? And at that, One of the biggest types of miracles biblically in biblical history. Think of this. He was born without the use of his legs. What does that mean? He's born that way. That means that not, not, I've heard it kind of before, oh, his his muscles atrophied. No, 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 no. If you're not born walking, your muscles never develop. So that had to be overcome. No muscles were even, there may have been threads, just just like a vein, But there was no muscle because he had never walked ever, right? Not even one day of his life, which that means he had never even developed muscles in his legs ever. But that's not all that had to be overcome in this miracle. Think of his brain. It had never even learned to walk. He had seen others walk, but you know, I'm a tactile learner, which means that I learn by doing. I can see somebody do it, and I got a grasp kind of, but I need to actually do it. You know, at the hardware store, I'm in, I'm in the paint department. And when they first brought me there, I had no idea how to mix paint for people. But what did I do? They taught me, and then I actually had to learn myself. I had to do it myself. Well, this guy here never had even, the brain had never even learned to walk. Wow. What a huge, huge, huge miracle. Again, I'll say, one of the biggest miracles in biblical history ever when you break down what had to be overcome to make it happen. And Peter, well, I want you to look at his faith for a second. Peter had some pretty big faith here, if I would say. Really, really, really he did. He told him to rise up and walk, but then he grabbed his hand and he pulled him up before he was actually healed. Think about it. It says that as he grabbed him up, everything came. That means that he didn't say the words and then it started to develop. It meant that as he grabbed him and pulled him up, the man's ankle bones and the man's everything started to revive and everything was became whole, right? The man had never walked. What if 
Peter had tried to pull him up, but it wasn't God's will for this man to walk and be healed. And Peter was acting in his flesh, right? The man would have not been able to move, and Peter might have even heard him as he was trying to pull up the dead weight of his lower body, right? But Peter wasn't thinking with his own human brain. He had God definitely leading him to do this miracle. And all of God's children, I should say, as all of God's children, should be led to do miracles of God, led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And as God led Peter, so he had faith to move, do what God led him to do, by Peter's faith alone, faith enough for both him and the lame and lazy man, the man got a literal miracle helping hand up, one that he wasn't even looking for, and one that he didn't even want. Wow, what a miracle. God sure did do a doozy here, I'll say. Look at what happens as a result of Peter's obedience to following God's leading and his faith in God to heal him. Look at verse 8. So he, the now ex-lame lazy man, leaping up, stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Notice now, he didn't stay at the gate. What does that mean? There's, there's something there. He could have just jumped up and then ran off to go tell his family and to go tell his friend. But no, he didn't just stand up and walk around. What did he do? He entered the temple with them. Notice, before the healing, he was outside the temple. Now, after the healing, he goes inside the temple. I see this as his turning to God. I see this as this miracle turning him to God. And I see this, of course, in Scripture as the primary reason why God does miracles like this, or any miracle for that matter. God just doesn't do miracles so that we can have the boast of, oh, look at me, I did miracles, or oh, come to my church because I do all these miracles. God did miracles in the Bible so that it would save people, that it would redeem people or bring people closer to God because he sure wasn't there for a miracle, nor did he want a miracle. But boy, he was excited and elated that he got one and that he could now walk. And it just goes to show you that he really didn't even know what he needed. As none of us really know what we need. God knows what we need. We, we don't know. And, and last two verses, the people's response to this lame, lazy man's healing, once they see it and realize it, they really don't act right at this moment. Look what they do, verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. Remember, he was there for years. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. They were really flabbergasted. They were really in awe. They were like, what? Who is... They were like, kind of like, they were just stuck. We won't read till next week till then after their amazement, after their flabbergastation, they actually run to him and he's clinging on to Peter. But right now they're just amazed. And wouldn't we be? If we saw this happen, we absolutely certainly would be too. We would be struck and we would be like, oh my gosh, I would oh my, I'd probably fall down. Right? In closing, what did we learn today? Peter and John went to church to be obedient to God daily, to prayer, to, or to pray. And, and, and as I said today, real Christians need to be doing this, need to be having a daily time of prayer with God. Several, actually. I, I pray all day long, off and on, really. Uh, the apostles, number two, meet a lame, lazy man who is begging for money, an ungodly lifestyle, at the gate beautiful, uh, as, as per Paul and his, his epistles told us, he said, ungodly lifestyle, as I spoke out against those people like this today. That was another part. 
Uh, the apostles never do give him money, uh, for they didn't have any on them. Uh, uh, but being led by God to do a miracle, Peter, by faith for both of them, takes a huge step of faith to reach out and grab this lame, lazy man and pull him up. Uh, when without the leading of God, this could have been very dangerous. Would have been very dangerous. And since God led him to do it, Peter had total faith in Christ for both of them, and that the man was made perfectly well, and if he never would have done it, the lame and lazy man's body would have never been made whole. God does here one of the greatest miracles in biblical history as per all the details that we had going on in this healing. That was the whole sermon in a nutshell. But I have a closing topic. A little bit different than what we learned today. Does God still allow his children to do these kind of miracles in the name of Jesus Christ through faith today? Absolutely. Here in America, some. Other parts of the world, more. Here in America, God has used me as part of several pretty big miracles, but none quite as huge as lifting a man up. One day, I I hope God does, and I'll be in that situation, and I'll have the faith to do that, but not so far to now. Me and our brother Ron and Harry Hines one day, we were talking to a man who was complaining about chest pains. And he had him for weeks, I believe, at the time. And he had him going down his arms and his chest, and he was really kind of stressed out a lot about having a heart attack. Because, I mean, you know, when you have chest pains, that's it's usually well, things before you get a heart attack, right? And he had been to the doctor, and of course, you know, many times, and I love doctors and certain things, but a lot of doctors, they, they don't kind of know what's going on, and you're like their test subject, but they, they weren't able to fix him, right? And so they just sent him on his way, but they couldn't cure him. Couldn't give him anything for his pain, and still left with the stress of this pain in his chest, and this pain going down in his arms. So as I and another brother, Rod, evangelize him, God led me and this fellow and another guy together, and, and as we talked to him about the Lord, the Lord led us. As I laid hands on him, and so the brother did too. And uh, as we prayed, and when we got done praying, the pain left immediately, and he was healed completely, and he was wild and amazed, just like this man, in a sense. And he was blown, oh my gosh, it's gone! Where, what happened to the pain? Oh, how, how did you do that? How, how did you do that? Uh, hey, that, that's God, man. He's, he's reaching out to you. He, he was shocked and amazed. He, now, he didn't turn to God like this ex-lame and lazy man did here with Peter and John, but he did receive God's message of repentance loud and clear. I can promise you that. And then he really knew what he had to do. He knew, number one, that God was real now. Now, maybe he had doubted that before. Is God really real? And then, boom, God God does a miracle like that. I know God's real now. And so then he he was able to count the cost, right, really? And that's what every one of us has to do. I mean, not every one of us, when we first encounter God, do we go, okay, Lord, here I am. Sometimes it takes some time as we think about it and as we investigate Scripture and see what kind of God he is, and then then we'll come then. And that was kind of what I'm hoping in faith this man did. Another time we were out on Dallas near Walnut Hill in 35 and out on an outreach and they had said rain was coming and, and as we knew the rain was coming, but we know if you live in the Dallas area, you, you may not if you're online, uh, you know that that doesn't mean anything around here. They, they could say rain's coming and it could rain here and not here. And so you just, you know, you don't, you don't bank on anything. You just kind of go. And so we prayed and we were a group and God said, go. And so we went. And so as we went, we got out there. It didn't look so good. But we believe God told us to go anyway. Well, as we're out there in the middle of nowhere, no shelter, paper tracks, books, Bibles on us. Here we, what do we see? We look off right to the left of us as we're walking down the street. And here is this wall of rain that's coming toward us. It wasn't just a drizzle. It was a wall of rain. If, you, if you've ever lived in Florida, this is very common in Florida. You can be in Florida. We used to live in the Sarasota area. And, and when you live there, you could actually... 
you could be standing on one side of the street and there's a wall of rain and then past you, past the side of the street, there's a hole. It's raining everywhere, but it's not raining you and it's like wall of rain. But I knew God had called us out there, so God led me by his spirit. I turned to that rain like I turned to that window right there. And I said, be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Be gone right now. And I kept, and we saw it literally. There was about maybe a dozen of us or half a dozen, well, three quarters of a dozen of us. We saw it literally retreat back exactly the way it came. God, God still does miracles. Being led, I turned again and, and did this, and it retreated. Uh, recently, a couple weeks ago, my wife was starting to get really sick and, and for a couple days in a row, and it was getting worse by the day. And it was the thing that, one of the things we got going on right now. It was one of the, you know, the really flu things that we got going on right now. And it was like a Wednesday, Thursday, and we even had company coming over on Friday, a Christian lady that was going to come over and share some time with us and have some food with us. And by the way, this is on Gospel Saving uh, Church website in my new uh, section called uh, God is Real Testimonials. On, on this. I did a video on this, and it's also on SoundCloud. And uh, anyway, uh, we were talking, and of course, she wasn't feeling good and getting worse by the day. And so, of course, what do people do when they don't feel good? Well, they get kind of angry, and they get kind of mean. And so she kind of got a little mean. I'm not trying to call her out, but that's just what people do. And so I kind of went away to pray, and as I was sitting there kind of complaining to God, God said, you know, you're a man of God. Have you even prayed for her? And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't pray for her, Lord. She's been sick, and I didn't even pray that, you know, you'd heal her. Well, I repented, prayed for her, and uh, her getting sick daily turned the very same day, and by the next morning into the early afternoon, by Friday, early morning, early afternoon, she was completely healed as if she had never been sick at all and wasn't even getting sicker in the first place. The, the same type of sickness that I, as a school bus driver, right, was have kids on my bus that one girl missed a few days, and she's still sick two and three weeks later. And yet, this is the same type of sickness, and yet my wife was healed and the next day. Point again, does God still do supernatural types of miracles today? Absolutely. He leads me to do them all the time. Just not quite as big as this lame and lazy man in Scripture today, but huge to me and maybe someday. America as a whole, not so many. Not so many at all. You just, you just don't hear about them. I've been in Christian circles for a long time. and you know, Not so many, right? Well, there's got to be a why. Why? Why don't we see in America as a whole the miracles that I've experienced, that, that we see in other countries, that you know, come out of testimonies from other countries? Well, my belief as a whole is this. The mass majority of Americans call themselves Christians and believe themselves to be saved on their way to heaven when they die, to stay there. Because mind you, everybody's going to go to heaven when they die, the Bible tells us. But they won't all stay, as that's where the judgment seat of God is. And many, all will go... And you'll be judged. And some will hear, good, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the Lord. And some will hear, ah, sorry, you, know, you, you didn't cut it and be gone. right? But everybody's gone. But not everybody's going to stay. But, but the majority of Americans believe that they're going to heaven they're going to stay. Yet, they live lifestyles practicing lying, speaking with profanity, living in fornication, living in adultery, listening to demonic music that glorifies evil, Road rage. Boy, if you just drive around on the road, you cut off and swear. I've been cut off and, and all this stuff by people that had the ichthys fish on the back of their car. Wow. <laughs> Hatred, racism is rampant. 
No signs of a regenerate life. No signs of even caring about the things of God. No spirit of understanding God's word. And these lifestyles, well, they don't model God. They don't model Jesus Christ. They model the devil. But again, they call themselves Christians. And in essence, they live without repentance. Which means that the Bible says they're deceived. Yet they think themselves truly saved. Why would God not allow many miracles in light of what I just said? Well, let's think about it. The Bible says that we're not supposed to cast our pearls before swine. And God knows that these miracles, by the way, will turn somebody's heart to him. He knows the probability whether he's going to do this miracle or something, and they're going to really turn. And the main purpose of God doing these miracles, any miracle for the lame man, lazy man, any, any of us, or any miracle, wasn't is to get people's attention in order to either bring them closer to Christ or bring them to Christ, as in this count here today in Acts chapter 3. Yet, here's the crutch of why I really don't think miracles are happening here too much. In America, everybody here believes themselves to be saved in Christians. So they don't see any need to repent and get saved as the hundreds that I've talked to. They don't need it. I'm a Christian. I pray to prayer. I'm saved. They don't see a need to turn to Christ and turn to God because they think in some way that they've done that already. Yet, as I said, the mass majority trample God's grace and they spit in his face with willful sin and they have no desire even for the things of the Bible. They have no desire for the things of God. But boy, but boy, oh boy, I'm a Christian, and they sure got to tell you. Uh, my belief is if you're a real Christian, people should know it by which, how you live. You, you shouldn't have to tell people that you're a Christian. You, you, people should know it by, by the way you live, if you are truly regenerate, if you're truly saved. I believe God is not doing many miracles here in America like the ones here in Acts 3 in front of people who are because they're cold towards him because miracles won't change their minds about Christ. Miracles won't turn them. They already think they're turned. But here's the kicker, and I think it's coming. When repentance falls from heaven, like it was in the first century time with the apostles here here in this chapter, then we'll see miracles in America like in this section. Or or in other words, because I got to have scripture. I I can't just say something about the Bible just because it's my my opinion on it. In other words, when we see Acts 2.43... Come to pass. Then fear came upon every soul. Then I believe that the rest of the verse can then come true. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Then and only then can we look to see the types of miracles that God did through Peter and John here in our country. Ladies and gentlemen, please examine yourselves today to see what type of lifestyle you live in practice. If you practice patterns or things that I spoke of earlier today, yet you profess to be saved and walking with Christ, you shouldn't just be worried or concerned about not seeing God do a sign or one or a miracle, okay? You need to be concerned about your eternal life because I believe that the Bible says that you aren't really going to go to heaven to stay there when you die. 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says this, By this we know that we are in Him. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he or Jesus walked. Or, or in plainer words, because there's, there's a couple of different ways people could see that. In plainer words, if you say that you belong to Christ, so you say you're saved, and I'm God's kid, then the practice of your lifestyle will pattern the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. And what do I mean by that? Oh, but just Jesus was all about love, Pastor Ed. Oh, he was. 
But he also was all about holiness. He was also all about purity. He was also about fearing God in the things that he did. He was also about loving. And then he was about loving others. He, he was about keeping God's commandments. thing God said to do, hey, I'm going to do those things. And then doing the things that Jesus did. Sharing the word or preaching the word or doing some healings like I've done. Those are the three. If this description of life of Jesus Christ does sound like you, or if it doesn't sound like you, I should say, then you need to repent. Then you need to get right with God because you're not. And maybe I'm the first person you're hearing that from today because you won't hear that too many thing, too many times from the pulpit anymore because now we're all about the love of Jesus. Oh, He just loves you so much and you're all just all God's kids because God loves everybody. Well, yes, yes, God does love everybody. But that doesn't mean everybody is saved. God loves everybody. But for you, in order for you to see that love, receive that love, you need to repent and you need to turn to Him. So truly let God into your life and be your Lord, not just one of your beliefs. Because that's what we got today. We got people believe in Jesus, but people don't have Jesus as Lord of their lives. Is when you repent, it's not a physical action, but it's a change of mind toward God. You, God, I need you, Jesus, I need you. And it all happens internally. And then what comes out, like we read you know, last week, where, where 3,000 got saved and then they were baptized. They, they were saved first by repenting. And then all the works of that salvation, all the works of that regeneration started to come out because there's no work that'll save you. And after you repent, after you surrender, after you turn to God, let him into your life to be your Lord. Then get into God's word daily. Learn and grow and then go. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your love. Thank you so much for your truth. God, we love your word. I love your word, Lord God, and I can't live without it, Lord. It's got to be in your word. I just can't make up my own opinions. It's got to be in your word. Thank you for your word. We love you. We praise you. We ask, Lord God, today that those that were listening, whoever listened to today, Lord, wherever they were, and all over the world, Lord God, wherever, Brazil or Russia or all the play, all the different people that listen all over the world, Russian Federation, Lord, all the people that listen on SoundCloud all over the world, Lord, I just pray whoever listened today, Lord God, that if they haven't truly repented, if Jesus is not the Lord of their lives and then their lives are bearing fruit because of that repentance, Lord God, then I pray that they would get saved. For Lord, everybody loves and they want, oh, I want those miracles and I want those signs and I want those wonders. Yet, so, so many people slap you in the face by their sin. So many people live in willful disobedience to you, Lord God. And yet, how could they expect a sign, wonder, or miracle, Lord, when no fear has fallen upon them? For as Proverbs tells us, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Lord God. Please bring the peoples that have come to listen fear of you, that they may truly repent, that they would truly be born again. And then, Lord God, let the signs and wonders and miracles happen by your disciples and by your apostles of today. We thank you, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.